Hello, Simon here. I uh, just want to let you know about something that happened towards the end of the recording. Actually, it's right at the end of the recording. Um, there was a bit of a problem with the audio uh, as I managed to mute myself for uh, a reason. I think I was having a bit of trouble with Flynn the dog. And um, it turns out that my mic was still recording um, while I was, whilst I was muted on the recording of the show. So the guys couldn't hear me speaking, but I could hear them and uh, my words uh, are recorded and uh, which is overlaid with their words so at the end it gets quite confusing and sort of almost quite interesting at the same time really um, so uh, I just thought I'll give you that little bit of a warning and uh, that's it so I hope you enjoy this week's show. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Classic Lenses podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm hosting this podcast from Stoke-on-Trent in the UK. Joining me today is Carl Havens in Gainesville, Florida. Hello, Carl. Good morning. And we have Johnny Sisson in Chicago, Illinois. Hello, Johnny. Good morning. And Carl, it doesn't look like film. <laughs> what? <laughs> what an, and yet you like it. I didn't say that. <laughs> you, you, you said you really liked it a lot. <laughs> I, I, I said I like the silos, and the silos look filmic. I, I don't think that your swamp, your your Florida swamp stuff looks like film. I was like, where's uh, no, the guy no, in the no. where's the guy in the van building the pipe bombs down there? By I'm the talking river? about the um, the really cool photo that's our banner image right now. That's oh, that you're going back phenomenal. to that. You like that a that lot, right? That does look like film. Well, yeah, well, guys, it does look well, like guys. a film. Look, it's a digital image. It looks like a film. Guys in America, please. <laughs> we, have, we have very confused listeners now. Um, okay. But I think I think uh, that's probably a good a good place for us to start was um, people will do what on earth are they talking about? So, um, um, so yes, we've been having a chat before we started recording and, uh, and Johnny's decided to continue that chat immediately without any context. Um, so, uh, let's let's go let's go back to that chat with, uh, without any contact context and uh, Carl perhaps you might want to explain what, what it is that Johnny's talking about which one the silo or the picture of the guy the, the um, silo um, and, that, and that other black and white shot that you're, that you're proud of because you think it looks like it's taken on film oh so um, I took a picture yesterday <laughs> of green silos <laughs> very exciting thing but um, it is relative to what I usually have to choose. And, and Johnny told me that it looked like film earlier, and now he told me that it doesn't. No, I, never, I no, no, no. I said, I said the the black and white silos. Oh, that looks like. Film. I will give you that. Those have a filmic look to them. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, then not I, your, I, not I, I don't swamp, care, yeah. but that's all right. But but no. Um, more seriously, though, we have a, a new banner image by a new member, um, Andy Shields. And we were talking about it because we think it's just a fantastic photo. And Johnny can explain more about why he thinks it's a fantastic photo. Well, the thing that catches my eye is the 3D pop in the image. It's just it's wonderful and, and just the whole way that it's set up. But um, Johnny had some things about the way the lighting was done. From from my narrow biased point of view, it is a, it, I think it's an excellent photo for several reasons. Compositionally, it's excellent. He's got the, I mean, it's, it's, it's if you overlay... A, a golden, you know, golden ratio over this thing diagram. It would everything would fall perfectly in place from the guy's head out. So it it's compositionally perfect. He's shadow boxing a pigeon. That's just the. I mean, come on, that's so cool. So just the shot is good in and of itself. But he's exposed it the way you expose slide film when you shoot slide film on the street, which is you expose it for the brightest highlight and you let the blacks fall. So typically, you see a shot like this. 
a digital shot like this and it's got all sorts of detail in the shadows which is just stupid because who cares what's in the shadows the whole point is it's about the highlight and about the shapes and about that about the light so he's he's photographed it in a very kind of old school way the same way you would expose slide film with a narrower dynamic range and i mean I, to me i think that's an excellent look especially shooting you know uh color on the street so i i i like how he's done the shot i like the shot itself i like how he's approached it um and yeah to me now that that that's if somebody said, "Oh, it looks like film," to me that looks it's it it looks like a shot that would have been done on slide film, and it has sort of the look of slide film shot in a very high con contrast situation. So I I dig it. Yeah, so I really I'm looking forward to more photos from him. Well, there's some, something about that. There's a, there's a few things to be said about um, how the shot was taken as well. Um, apart from the fact it was it was taken on a a Sony full frame camera. The lens that was used is a lens I've never heard yeah, of before, oh, yeah. um, mm -hmm. and that's it was. In fact, when I when I read this, it started it really started to hurt to my head, <laughs> and uh, because um, it's uh, as it's described, a contact rangefinder mount, Carl's Ice Planar, thirty five millimeter f three point five. Mm -hmm. This is a lens I've I've never heard. Of. In fact, I don't yeah. think I've heard of a three point five uh, planar full stop on uh, at least on on. 35 millimeter uh, film uh, was generally planars are, are, are fast lenses um, so yeah, a, th a 3.5 yeah, is, is yeah. comes a bit of a shock to me there yeah so this um the lens and i can i mean i don't have it to photograph but there's there's images of it online um uh, I, I i we had one at central camera earlier this year and we sold it for something like 250 dollars and i it's one of those lenses i'm like shit i i should have bought this myself because it's very unusual to see it's essentially it's it's similar in size to like a biogon um like a, a 35 28 but it's a 35 and it's a planar so it's very well corrected um one of those situations where the aperture the maximum aperture i mean 35 versus 28 i so what we're what gonna do that extra stop anyway um and making it a 35 means you can make the lens much more well corrected uh, so it, it's, I mean, it's a great lens. It's just a solid chunk of, you know, um, of, of brass and chrome. So it's, it's small and very heavy and very well made. It's one of those early uh, post-war contacts lenses that's just really superbly made. So I, I, I don't think that it's a lens people are going to encounter very frequently. Um uh, but I, I, I guess they turn up, but I, I, there, it's a pretty unusual lens to, um, to come across, I think. And I'm looking at, yeah, there's some information about it online. I'll, I'll, I'll post a few, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll post a few links along with the article here. There's four on eBay right now. Um, is it really? But, but they're, they're expensive. The, the least, yeah, the, that, they're, they're, they're from, they range from a thousand to thirteen right. fifty. Which is eBay. why I should have bought it. <laughs> and it's an interesting lens, right? It has that rear protruding. That part that's not an element, but the lens protrudes really far back. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like a, a it's like a, a bygone or a, a Jupiter yeah. twelve. Not yep. it's not as extreme as like a Jupiter uh, Jupiter twelve. Am I saying that right? Jupiter twelve, right? Yeah, uh -huh, yeah. Um, yeah. But so, but it's a similar sort of design where you have the 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 rear optical block extending, you know, relatively deep into the camera body. Um, so and it's a and it's a very compact lens. So it's, yeah, it's it's a beautiful lens. If you know if anybody who has like a, a contacts or a Kiev, 
rangefinder would be a great a great lens uh, for someone like that. I mean, I have so just to kind of, to talk about a similar lens. There's the um, uh, on the Nikon rangefinder. There's a W Nikkor uh, 3.5 centimeter lens, so a 35 millimeter lens, and and you can get that lens in either 2.8 or 3.5. I've got the 2.8 version on my my uh nikon s2 right now so that's a similar lens from nikon uh the thing that i I would say some things that are nice about the planar is the way the aperture is marked around the outside of the barrel versus on the inside of the barrel um so that that's kind of a nice feature it's just a it's a very very nice nicely made lens if you ever come across one johnny have you ever taken one of these out and um and and played with it to compare with the, because um, we both like Canon LTM 35 millimeter mm. lenses for street, and uh, I just wonder if you've ever made a comparison. Well, I mean, I, so I, I have lens. essentially a very similar lens on my uh, my Nikon S2 right now. It's just a, it's a 2.8 versus a 3.5, or I'm sorry, yeah. a two a 2.5, 2.5 rather than a. Th- a a 3.5 um and but they're very similar lenses um and yeah i mean they they handle similarly i i'm i I guess i could go ahead and i've been saving up a critique of the nikon rangefinder system but i could kind of talk about that right now um so my my canon i knocked the uh i knocked the focus out of on my uh, canon p so it's it's off with uh, Yoshinyi for you know to have the rangefinder realign, and I I sent my 35 f2 at the same time so he could check it out because it's a little bit wobbly in the barrel. So anyway, that's that's off for service. So my main street camera right now is the Nikon S2, um, which is a nice camera. Uh, it is in no way near, <laughs> in my way of thinking, the same class as like a Canon P for a street camera. Mainly because the focusing mechanism on the Nikon is way more complex. The lens itself, I, just the the entire it's a great system. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> the The Canon LTM stuff is so much easier to use, in my opinion, and it it's the way it's built is, um, it, it's a better design. Let's just say that it, it doesn't mean you can't make great images with the camera, but I'm I'm definitely missing the Canon P. I'm I'm enjoying the Nikon, but not as much as I enjoy the Canon P. So I and and really, we're when I talk about the Nikon, I'm essentially talking about the contacts and the Kiev also because they're all they're very similar cameras. The Nikon is definitely a improved version of yeah. both the contacts or the Kiev, um, but it, but they're all based around a similar lens mount. They do different things internally, but they're they're still based around the same basic lens mount concept and i think it is in no way in the same league <laughs> as the ltm mount and really not the m mount either no i don't have a i've never shot a nikon sp if somebody would like to donate one to me i would gladly take it and say wonderful things about it um <laughs> but but i think i think all the cameras based on the contacts rf mount are yeah, they're good but it's that that mount is fundamentally uh, way more complex than either LTM or M mount. So I just want, it's interesting when I go um, to DC or Baltimore or somewhere up north where there's opportunities to do 
shots like this. Now, I've never taken a photograph as, as good as this, but um, I have photos like this, and, and they're all from shooting my Fuji with an LTM 35-millimeter Canon, and at F4, I almost always can get pop like that. The mm. photos aren't as good, but but I can always get pictures that look like that, and, and I maybe I'm not developing the way that I ought to. But, um, well, yeah. Is it, it's a different, that photo is, it's, it's a different way of exposing. And I mean, it's basically yeah. what Simon said. You're, ex, you're exposing for the highlights. It's, this is, it's zone system stuff here. You're exposing for the highlights and maybe developing for the shadows. But in this case, you're really just exposing for the highlights and letting the shadows fall. So if you would think about this image as a black and white image, like just forget that it's color and squint your eyes a little bit. And you, I mean, it's a very contrasty image. That's it's shot much more like a black and white image. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I think this is where, if you've only ever shot digitally, if you've ever shot slide film on a film camera, you have a lot less dynamic range to play with. Um, now you get arguably the best colors of any image making device ever um, shooting slide film. Um, but it's, it's more challenging to shoot and it. You have to be much more careful in your exposures. I mean, you have to be like right on with your exposures. So it, I think it's a, it's one of those things where it's a valuable experience. If you've ever shot with slide film, you'll probably shoot color a little bit different on a, on a digital camera, at least for this kind of, you know, this type of picture, this type of street picture. What's what's interesting, what you just said there about um, the, the the slide look about it, because I, I didn't really make the, the first, I, that wasn't my first connection with it. I just thought, that's a really nice photo, and I, I like the, uh, the the richness of the colours in it. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you, you said slide, and then that sort of connected with something, I've put a couple of photos up there this week of some slide pictures that I took a few weeks ago from a... Um, a, a meetup in uh, Liverpool uh, with uh, a few other photographers, but it was just a, it was an analog uh, photography walk, walkabout really. And uh, one of the photos that I took in there was um, of um, Garth Murphy um, in a pub. And, uh, and I took that with the, my 50 mil planar on a Contax RX in pretty low light conditions. Um, but there was the the lighting was 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 pretty good. It was quite it was quite strong in 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 places, but but it wasn't an even light. Um, yeah. So it was it was like sitting quite close to a window, and uh, ultimately I, I exposed in this in a similar way. I didn't really think it through. I just exposed it for what I thought was right, um, and it, it it came out in ex pretty much in exactly the the same kind of way. The colours are super rich on it. Um, yeah. The 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 shadows are, are, are deep, and it and it just doesn't matter about the shadows being deep because the, the it, where it's in shadow is not important. It's it's uh, you know how right, the light right. falls on the guy's face is 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 what makes it uh, what it is. But it is a look that I don't normally get in a photograph, and uh, and it was because it was uh, exposed in the way it was. But secondly, it was exposed on slide mm -hmm. film, so it was. It, it, yeah, it, it I saw that, that shot. Look. That was it. I was actually looking. I'm looking for it. Is it on your page, Simon? Uh, I was just looking forward to talk yeah, about it. But. I've, I've put it on. I've put it onto uh, in, Instagram as well. So that's probably. Oh, did easy. you? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and it, interesting enough, in the uh, the comments, um, I'm not sure if it was on Instagram or in um, Twitter, but so I also put it on Twitter. But uh, Garth, he, when when Garth uh, commented on the photograph, um, he he said how much he liked it, and then secondly, he says that his mother wants a print of it. 
<laughs> so so yeah. it doesn't get much better than that really does it so uh, no, <laughs> I, I, and I, I i did i did notice this shot when you posted it it's a great shot i'm actually i have it up right now on your page it's yeah it's a really a nice shot and that that i i mean yeah this is exactly what i guess what i've been blathering about is the way and you're you're right on the borderline with your highlights you're almost losing detail but you've just got it right there which is perfect right so it so I, I, you're, I think you're right. Like this shot, if you shot it on a digital camera, you would have all this ad additional detail. You'd see all the strands of his hair. Yay. You know I mean? It's like, really, do you need, <laughs> do you need all that detail? Really? So I think, you know, the way this you've handled this shot to me, it looks, it's a, it's a great portrait, you know? Well, well th thanks. For that. Well, uh, I've got to say that the look of the shot was as much, as I say, it wasn't as much down to design. Uh, it, mm -hmm. it, it, that's just—it's just how no, it sure. happened. But yeah. you're right, though. If I if I had taken that with my with my Sony, the look of that yeah. image would not be anywhere near totally the same different. as that. It just wouldn't have turned out. I think it still would have been a nice photo because the, the scene yeah. was good, the light was good, and you know it was always going to be a good photo. But it wouldn't have looked like that shot, and I, I never would have processed it to make it look like that shot either. Yeah. Yeah, and you and you got you got just one eye in focus, which is nice too. I think you know we're we're, we're again we're <laughs> continuing to get a, a broader range of types of photographs on the page, and we're getting some yeah. just fantastic photo. Well, I mean, the photo we had before this banner by uh, Adolfo oh, yeah. Rosenfeld. Right. It was another one with, where the lighting was just right, and it was a similar wasn't a similar. In a way, it was a similar kind of shot. It wasn't a way. Yeah. 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 I know. It was actually, yeah. in a way, it was similar to the shot that we were just talking about of Simon's. And all right, can we let's let's can we continue with that? Because that whole series, unless I'm remembering this wrong, uh -huh. he wasn't he doing something I'm looking for right now, where he was basically shooting people with their mm -hmm. favorite classic lens, like a portrait of the person taken with that person's favorite classic lens. Am I making that up? No, that, that's right. That it was photo his yeah. okay. photographer's favorite lenses and he was taking a picture of, of the photographer with their favorite lens. Yeah. I thought that was super cool. Yeah. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually looking for it right now. Cause it was a, it was a, I, it was, um, yeah, conceptually, I think that's a great, it's a great idea. I think with a lot of a lot of his work, anyway, it's it, it plays very heavily with the shadows. Um, yeah, the shadows yeah, are very yeah. well judged. Um, yeah, they, yeah. They, they play a big part. They're very very saturated look, but they're not oversaturated. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hey, there's Carl Silos. I'm I'm going through the page looking for that photo, and I just came across uh, Carl's very film ick filmish. Film, filmic looking silo, grain silos. I think they're grain silos. There's something in Florida, so you never know. I took a camera with me. So yesterday we did our our first of, I hope not too many, Christmas shopping events. And we have to drive at least a ha an hour and a half from where we live to any shopping mall. And yeah. uh, I took the camera along just to take that one picture. <laughs> That and I it. found your swamps right below that, where you 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 very very tactfully placed the Carl Havens photography watermark dead center in the lower portion of the photo. That's where I always have it. What are you talking about? Oh, good. Yeah, I'm glad you look at my pictures. That's it. <laughs> So I just remind myself to crop that little bit off when I steal your photo and sell it for a million dollars, Carl. The swamp. <laughs> oh, oh! I like the tree. I like the lone tree. I just saw that one now. Yeah, look. Do you notice there's light, the the light coming in from the side? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice shot. Yeah, that was the one where I um, was agonizing over the fact that um, it was really dark outside, and um, 
I, I, I couldn't get a shutter speed where I could handhold the camera. And mm-hmm. I, so I cranked the, the ISO on that. This is on a Fuji is, is 2000. And, um, and then I got back in the car and I'm driving along and I think, Oh shit. I still had the, I, I still had it on F8. <laughs> I was just really tired from driving and trying to get some fresh air. Stopped by this little <laughs> river and took that one. I took two pictures, three pictures on that on that trip. Yeah, I like that one too. Um, I I want to just take take the conversation back to um, uh, Andy's shot, Andy Shield shot again with that that plane or thirty five two point yep. eight, um, and the. the like I say, it, it came as a bit of a shock to me. I'd never heard of it, but I thought I was pretty well up on uh, on Zeiss lenses and Zeiss RF lenses, and, they, and this has passed me by. And also, there's a 2.8 version as well, which is equally uh, unknown to me. And mm-hmm. I've, I, mean, I was just looking at the one that was on. Well, there's one in Germany on on eBay at the moment, and I'm just just looking at it. I can see it doesn't say Jena on it, so it's it's no, it's, it's postable. Yeah, um, it's West. It's West German. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I was there, I think myself. So that I'm guessing, or at least you know, you, you don't know with these things, with especially with the, the Soviet Union. But I I would have thought they would have um, made this lens in the Soviet Union. But it, it is a if it's a effectively a West German design, therefore uh, right. they wouldn't have had the, the hands on it. The the, the flip right. side, though, I mean, you look at the actual uh, design of it. I mean, the Biotar, which is also the uh, the Jupiter 12, is a very complex looking lens, especially the rear element is spectacular. Um, yet you look into the back of this one. Yes, it's got the protruding back on it, but it doesn't have a protruding element as such. And uh, in fact, the, uh, yeah, it doesn't have that protruding element. And it, to me, it looks a far simpler design of lens than the, than the Biotar. And and then the next thing that I thought thought to myself was most of the lenses when they went over to the Japan were based off German German lenses and so on. And you know, many times we've talked about thirty five millimeter two point eights like Canon and f twos and stuff. I've never again I never really given any thought as to where that design came from. And I'm just wondering, is this the originator of those those designs on those LT those those LTM lenses? Maybe. No, well, I, uh, well, all right. So that. If you think about it, the the fact that it's a planar design, I mean, a planar is a planar. It means it's symmetrical, right? So, the difference is the the biotar and the very the variations of that and the Jupiter twelve are oh, asymmetrical Johnny, lenses, Johnny, right? Johnny, yeah. Johnny, let me stop you a second. I just realized there are yeah. people shouting at us because you keep saying biotar uh, when you should be saying biogon. Oh, Biogon, thank you. Yeah, so apologize, apologize yeah. Uh, to all. <laughs> to all Strike all there. the B words said said <laughs> thus far by Mr. Sisson in this program, where he has said Biotar, he means Biogon. So thank you very much for that, Simon, moderator Simon. That is true. Fake news. <laughs> Biogon. Okay. So the Biogon design and its and its uh, offspring are very different than the planar and and. The fact that it's a planar with a slower aperture means it's it's much more well corrected, so it's going to have a different look. So, so not have be you messy? Yeah, but do you have any any knowledge as to whether or not the the the, the Japanese lenses, the uh, the Canon lenses, um, and the uh, Nikon lenses, whether they're mm-hmm. sort of based upon this in any way, or whether they just sort of took the optical design to some degree well, and then played with them themselves? Yeah, I mean, it, this is where the, the Nikon. RF lenses, and I mean, I wouldn't want to uh, 
talk too much BS right now as far as optical design, but I know about a few of them. Um, and I know that uh, the Nikon lenses in particular, um, sort of post-war, where a lot of them were redesigns of, you know, earlier uh, formulas. So they kind of, Nikon was kind of really making, uh, making them their own in that, you know, post-war era. Um, a, a good example being a lens I think we mentioned, uh, was it last episode of the one before, which is that uh, the Nikkor, the, basically the 50 millimeter F2 for the Nikon rangefinder, which is essentially a sonar, but they took it kind of a step further, kind of like the whole Nikon S system period. I mean, they, they sort of used the, the mount from the contacts, but re-engineered it up from there. Um, and the, the lenses are all, you know, a lot of them are based on other formulas, but they kind of made them their own. Um, and then of course there's the, you know, the famous, uh, 105 millimeter, uh, which is kind of thought of as their first truly, uh, in-house, you know, uh, new lens design that is purely their own. Well, I shouldn't say that, but it's, it's it, the first lens that really made a name for Nikon, you know, in the post-war era in some regards. Um, and it was not a, it was not an adaptation of existing really focal length by a German maker. So, um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, a lot of the, the Nikon, uh, lenses in particular are, uh, kind of re-engineered or rethought versions of earlier designs. So they have their own unique, um, characteristics and I, I think, you know, a lot of the Canon stuff is, um, LTM stuff is, is really excellent too. I mean, we could probably do an entire show about all that and about lens design. Um, but I, I think that the Nikon stuff in particular is kind of really interesting in that regard. Cause, cause Nikon was a lens maker before they were ever a camera maker. So that's really, so I have a, really so I'm awesome. looking at a, um, Nikon. So it's a Nippon Koguru W Nikkor C 3.535. Yeah. Mm-hmm. F2.5 lens. That's Nikon. the one I have that's, on my camera. Yeah. 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 So that, that looks really similar to that. Um, but they're expensive lenses, huh? Yeah. So they're, yeah. they're over three. Well, I'm looking at one that's $300, but it has well, haze in it. Yeah. I got one and I got one. Re- the one I got, I got really cheap from a U.S. seller. And I actually had a nice conversation with the guy, um, bought it on eBay. He was really nice. But that, yeah, that, that lens, um, I, I, I'm not going to say what, uh, design-wise, what it is, because I, you know, I should look it up before I spew untruths. Um, but, but it is. I mean, it's a, it's a very, very good lens. Um, that's the one I'm kind of using right now as my, my primary lens for street shooting. Yeah. So, um, okay, let's just move things on a, a little bit. Um, I'm just thinking about. Actually, there is some news uh, that we need to talk about. Um, and uh, which is connected <laughs> with last week, and Uh-oh. and uh, it, it's uh, I, I did actually receive a little bit of flack for uh, on behalf of uh, well aimed at me and uh, Johnny for how nasty uh, we were to you, uh, Carl. Uh, <laughs> and um, to which you know I'm I'm quite and I think Johnny as well is probably quite unrepentant about about that because we, we felt it was it was wholly necessary, um, and this was of course uh, to do with your uh, your your purchase of a. Um, Sony uh, uh, lens with a with a blue badge, a blue Zeiss badge on it, and uh, and perhaps Carl, you also known as a fake, <laughs> a fake Zeiss, 
big size lens. <laughs> so, so Cole, uh, do you want to do you want to give us the updates? <laughs> so, you, right. So, it, it turned out good. It was tough. It was tough love, and um, and it had a good outcome <laughs> because I had I had made a um, a, a purchase of a, quite an expensive zoom lens for my for my Sony camera, and um, and you guys gave me a hard time about it, and so I thought, well. I'm going to go and grab my my friend Jerry's uh, Zoom and take it out and play with it a little bit. And you were right; it didn't do anything for me at all, and it hadn't it hadn't shipped yet. And so I was able to cancel the order. And uh, so I, I I'm not going to have that. I won't. So I I just I'll continue to be able to say that I don't own any autofocus lenses. Or so um, yeah. So that's done. Now now I did buy a lens this week that's somebody's going to give me grief about i suppose um i i went out and was shooting with my seven artisans 51.1 lens on the sony and it's a splendid lens on the Sony on, on the fuji not on the sony on the fuji and then i thought i'm gonna, I'm gonna try that um 35 1.2 so i bought one of those it's not a very expensive lens and uh, i've heard good things about it it has good reviews and i've seen good images shot with it and um i'll use it on the fuji also We'll see how that one goes. Well, it's an, it's an APS-C lens, isn't it? So uh, yeah, it's an APS-C yeah. lens. Uh huh. Yeah. So yep. you you will be using it on the food. Well, I mean, you can use it on the Sony in APS-C mode. Um, well, they don't. I couldn't find it with an M mount, so uh, which is what I wanted. Oh right. Okay. Um, yeah. I couldn't know. Um, I could only find it with um, Fuji um, E. They make it with E mount for, and and they even talk about the, the seven series, which is interesting. Um, I guess the camera would notice and it would shoot in APS-C mode, and then um, they make it in a Canon mount. Couldn't find it in Nikon or M, so I I bought it and it's it's a it's a Fuji dedicated Fuji mount, but I don't I plan on having this this XE2 for a long time, probably longer than my Sony, because I like it. I've been using it lately way more than the Sony, and. Uh, I just I really like that little camera <laughs> with some range with rangefinder lenses on it. it I, I, I when I go out and shoot with it lately for some reason, it, it, I, it's more enjoyable, and I think I get better photos out of it. But that's just, another whole thing. Just just thought of something that Hay- Hamish Gill is now shouting at us uh, with him being the person that sells this lens, um, or rather shouting at me for my stupidity and why that lens doesn't isn't available with an M mount, and that's because it's an APS-C lens. And what's that got to do with Leica? Uh, there is, you know, the uh, Leica M mount uh, digital cameras or um, film cameras. They're full frame, of course. So why would you put a APS-C uh, camera onto a uh, lens onto a onto a Leica full frame just doesn't make it right. Sense. Well, I, I have a better one for him. Why the f- didn't they make it in a um, full frame M mount? Well, they, uh, they do. Well, they, 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 they well they don't make it as a one point two. They do it as an f two. It's a thirty five f two. No, I want I want one point two. I mean, they can make a one point one. M out lens. They couldn't have made a one point two M out lens. I think it's. Lens. I think it's harder at thirty five mil. I think. That's uh, okay. I would have paid more for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> Sounds like an excuse to me. I don't know. Okay. But anyway, I'm going to have that coming. We'll see how it is. Um, the only thing is that the um, Canon LTM thirty five two point eight that I was talking about is so freaking good that. Um, this is going to have to be a hell of a lens, and it'll be interesting to see what it can do differently. And um, I'm thinking already about what kinds of photos I'm going to try to take with this lens. And 
I don't know. When, when we get talking about what do we do this week, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about thinking about going out and doing little projects, which is kind of how I've been approaching things lately. Um, well, actually, I just remember something else that that's, uh, we were chatting about earlier, and that's uh, you've, you've not been too happy with your Zenitar 50mm 1.7, have you, that you bought recently? Um, so... <sighs> It's probably too early to judge. It wouldn't be fair for me to say negative things about that lens. Oh, no, I, it would be fine. Well, no, you know, it might not be because I, the, the only time I've used it is this morning. I went, I went out and got a coffee this morning and, and some donuts. And on the way back, I stopped in off a little dirt road in a forested area, and I took some shots just to play around with it and see if I could get some cool flare and what the bokeh looked like. And... Um, and now the the place I was and the images I took probably don't do it justice. I was a little bit disappointed that um, so it's soft at one point seven and it sharpens up a little bit at one point two. It's not bad, but it, one of the things that I do um, is um, I let, sometimes I'll take shots up into the foliage. There's areas where it looks really cool with, with the right sky and all the little ends of the, the twigs. And I have lenses where. It's so sharp. It's just amazing. And the super wide Hilliar is one of those. And um, almost of my 50 mil lenses. And this lens was is not at f8. It's not super sharp. And I'm going to look at them on my computer lately. And that just really surprised me. How could I have a, I could have a lens that isn't sharp at f8? Was, that, was and, this on your, on your Fuji? Sony. On the Sony? Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, this, and this is actually why I wanted to bring the subject up because, uh, it, to me, this sounds like there's something wrong with the lens. Maybe um, because I, yeah, that that lens is uh, meant to be absolutely excellent, and it's the it's the one that's uh, meant to have an Ultron design uh, to it as well. Um, so I've only ever heard good things and uh, and good things about sharpness. And for you to say that it doesn't really get sharp until f eight, and even when it's at f eight, it's still nothing remarkable. Um, that that's shouting problem problem lens to me. That is rather than uh, the actual uh, all of those lenses being like that. Or 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 I, it was just a coincidence that I was shooting it at a time of day when the light was really horrible for taking a photo with any lens. That's why nah, I'd say I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm going to go now. Maybe it does suck. I'm going to go out um, late this afternoon when the sun's getting low in the sky. And this is the time of year here where um, we get a lot of um, weedy foliage that develops these fluffy um, things that end up floating off, you know, and germinating in other places. And um, and shooting shooting that with some, some uh, dark background. And I'll be able to tell how sharp the lens is doing that. Really boring kind of photos, but I've it's a good subject to test the sharpness of the lens. Um, well, although I usually like to shoot those wide open. So, well, so we'll see. But um, yeah, but I closed, let's see, how many blades does it have? It's interesting, it's six blades. Huh? When I closed it down to F2, the, um, the Bokeball still looked round. Let me see, what is it doing at F2 that's making that happen? Oh, I see what it's doing. So at F2, it's an interesting aperture. It, um, it starts to assume this shape where it still looks like a circle with little sawtooth on it around the edge all the way to f well not f4 to two there's a dot between two and four and it still looks like a circle with just still very hard to see teeth around the edge so it have close down to f2 and then there's another stop after that and then another one and then there's three stops between two and four hard stops and all of those 
it looks like still a circle. So that's kind of nice. I can close it down to F2, and if I want vocabals, they look, they look perfectly round. Mm, I've, I've got a, a uh, Helios 77M-4 uh, in front of me, uh, which is a similar kind of lens. I don't know how close it is related in the optical design, but, but this is a, a, it's a 50 millimeter 1.8 uh, from, mm -hmm. where is it? 1992, I guess it's 92. Uh, was it 82? No, 92, yeah, 1992. And it's got the, how you just described the, um, the aperture blades is pretty much the same on this one as well. And they, the blades themselves, although it's only got uh, six, those blades are, are curved, uh, quite nicely curved. And it's, it's always, always, I always wonder why manufacturers never really made the effort um, in the older days, should we say, when they went over to automatic uh, aperture blades, why they, why they didn't curve them? Because it just makes the shots that much better. It makes it better. And the, um, oh, yeah. I'm just looking now at my 50mm um, F2 pan color, and it does the same thing. Um, when I close it down one stop from F2, it still looks like a perfect circle. And when I close it down to 2.8, very close to a circle, and it only has six blades. And what it is is, right, there's little tiny sawtooth edges, but you don't see them in the bokeh. The, the Contact Yushika uh, version of the Carl Zeiss Planar 51.4 does a similar kind of trick at F2. Um, uh, I remember ages ago, now it's about two and a half years ago, if not three years ago, I did a 50mm a 1.4 test against um, the Minolta and... Uh, um, which are the 50 mils, um, the Olympus and, uh, and the Super Takuma and F2, uh, even though it's only a six blade lens, it, it produced the best, uh, bokeables at F2. It, it's, it lost that, it lost the race at, uh, 2.8, but at F2, it, it did a really good job for just having six. Um, so it's quite, quite impressive that was at the time. So this, um, that lens I just mentioned, I, I posted a photo of it this week. I, got bored one day so I shot some photos of lenses lens porn shots and one of them was a picture of this um, pan color 50 f2 and it's a uh, the people call it a, a Star Wars version and I'm not going to go into that story because we talk about it on an earlier podcast but um, was, well the first comment was that the photo was distracting and then um, but then someone asked me what was it and then someone actually messaged me what was it and um, yeah, so the distracting photo of the exacto mount lens is a Pancolor 50 F2 Zebra um, on the front, but it's called a Star Wars because of the strange shape of the little black and white things and sort of right below the, um, the distance scale. And um, it's a wonderful lens. I, I really, I, there's something really special about it. And for some reason lately, I've hardly, Except with the exception of the 1.17 artisans, I've, I've really liked f2 and f2.2 range lenses. And I, I, I haven't used a f1.4 lens for a while. Well, we've, we've said similar things in the past, and I think there's uh, there are some great lenses at, at, at f2 and there's some great lenses at f, f1.4 and i'm no fan of the lenses in, in between that but there's yeah f, f, f2 lenses have, have definitely got the place and uh and some of the, the slow lenses in fact actually I, I took a shot recently with a slow 
a slow lens and I can't for the life I remember what it what it was now but it was a, it was a slow lens and it had a oh you might wonder if it was a super heliar <laughs> <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't mentioned that for a couple of episodes have we um so that's a 2.4 lens and um and that produced a, a, a shot that i think a a faster lens stopped down wouldn't have produced the same the same image um so i suppose it goes the same with the with the tessars as well as much as you yeah. know, i want to spit every time every time i say the word um yeah there's a there's a time and a place so especially if you're shooting at 2.8 it's it's nice to actually have a, a wide open shot of two point eight in, instead of a closed down shot of two point eight. Um, doesn't always apply, of course. It, it it all depends on what's going on in in the background and if you've got any highlights that are going to turn into bokeh balls or bokeh hexagons as 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 they would do with a, potentially a stop down lens. So yeah, there, there there is a time and a place for for slower lenses, definitely. Speaking of tessars. Johnny, the um, the black one that that you traded me for some, you traded me the, that one, and I forget what else for for something yeah. a year ago, and um, I, I used it this week on both the the Fuji and the Sony. Yeah, it's a great it's a great lens. It's just really nice for. Uh, I haven't we haven't gotten into talking. What did we do with photography this week? I, I wanted to do <laughs> shots that had a particular look, and it was perfect. That's great. Yeah. The focus is a little bit. If I had if I had bought it, I might I might have complained. The focus is a little bit stiff, but kind of yeah, gritty, but those, kind, of gritty, kind of gritty feeling, you know. Those but, are all, oh, I I've never felt a smooth one from those later Eastern. The they're yeah, they're always like they either they either got skippy spots or they're you know they're gritty or whatever. They all none of them feel super smooth and i guess you could probably have it like re-greased and it would feel better but they're they're all like that it's just kind of but i like the images that it produces um yeah. when you're going for a particular look it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a yeah. really nice lens yeah cool yeah, yeah. so and you never have shot you've never shot that camera that i traded you for it have you the exacta yeah yeah it's right here on my shelf no but i don't know you've never posted any images with it no, I'm not going to shoot an exact. Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I at some point I will shoot that exactly because because I love the waist level finder and it's surprisingly like really really bright. I mean, it's like, a good finder, you, isn't it? It's it no, it's, huh? it, it is. It's great and it's a clean one and a clean exact finder. They are a thing of beauty. They really are. I mean, got to give them credit. The camera, it's, the whole camera is just odd by probably modern standards but it's an amazing it's an amazing camera amazing piece of engineering um and that camera is nice and clean and it works so i i will eventually shoot that camera i i traded it to you because i i knew that you would appreciate it a lot more than oh no than i do I, yeah I, I did. I got, it's yeah. kind of like the leica 3a that you know you knew i would appreciate that yeah camera exact, than, exactly exactly right, it's all yeah. yeah it's all kumbaya um <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I have probably a half dozen like exactas in various states of disrepair that don't work that I bought for the lenses attached to them. Uh -huh. um, so that's like the only one I have that really actually works, you know. When it has your favorite Tessar lens on it. Yeah. Well, it did. That, that little yeah, silver yeah. guy, huh? Yeah, the little silver. I've got, yeah, I've got a bunch of those. you got a bunch of them, of course. <laughs> oh, I do. Um, I, no, I actually have on, uh, sitting on it right now on my shelf, it has a uh, the 80 millimeter Tessar on it. Mm -hmm. So it looks really cool. 
Maybe maybe this will make it into this week's cover art, but it looks really cool. It's got a big 80 millimeter Tessar. I'm saying that again just to hear Simon cringe. But uh, <laughs> 80 millimeter Tessar. Well, that um, well, actually sounds interesting, then, especially on the on a yeah. 35 millimeter camera. Yeah, that that's yeah. No, it it actually really is. I mean, it's um, the rendering of that lens is is pretty cool. So. Yeah, it's just it's it's the fifty mil ones. I've got a problem with the standard uh, the standard tessels. Um, actually, I've also got a problem with the tele tessels as well. Or at least some of them. Um, uh, that was a, a disappointment to me. The Carl Zeiss uh, for the contact Yoshika mount uh, two hundred millimeter three point five tele tessel. Um, yeah, very not, nothing special in the slightest. Um, I'd give me a, well, a, co- a Vivitar Comine or Comini or whatever, however we say it these days, uh, 3.5 with a, an, an all-metal one with uh, without the rubberized uh, focus ring. Superb lens. Um, yeah, and, better uh, design. Uh, probably a quarter, so that, a quarter of the price. So that, that camera will, will work, Johnny. I mean, I've shot a roll of film. Oh, yeah. It, and it was great. So I, you, were, no, I, I mean, I, you won't I, waste your time if you try no, to No, no. I remember when you got it. You, it's yeah. in remarkable condition it's it's a really it's a really nice camera so yeah no I, i'll shoot it I, i'll definitely shoot it that's i mean it um uh yeah it's just it's really nice it's just a different it's a whole different mindset when you're shooting an exacta they're just they're unique animals of their of their own um so just real quick can i continue on 80 millimeter tessar because i just i love saying that um <laughs> so i have in front of me which so my week in photography has been uh, getting ready to shoot things that I haven't shot before <laughs> that are finally ready to shoot. And one of those things, um, I know I've mentioned this before, but I got my my Roloflex 2.8A uh, back from uh, Jimmy Co. Um, and who serviced it, and it's now working beautifully. And so this model, I learned, I, I did some more research on it this week, and it's really a unusual camera for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first of which is it's a, a 2.8 a Roloflex, which means it was made in like 1949. It was the first 2.8 model that they made the a model. Um, and it has an Opton, uh, Tessar 80 millimeter 2.8, which is the only, uh, Roloflex that had an 80 millimeter 2.8 on it, uh, Tessar design. So I, I have a particular project in mind that I want to, um, use to shoot it and, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the look of it is. I just this week I had arrive in the mail um a Rolinar number two, which is the close up lens uh for the Roloflex so that so it's kind of ideal for um a, a tight portrait, uh portrait length shot, um, which is what I'm gonna do with it. And uh it's an odd Roloflex in that it's a it's a bay two. It has a different mount than most, so that it's kind of hard to find accessories for it. And I found one really really cheap. Um, so I kind of have a this great portrait setup ready to go. Uh, Roloflex with the Tessar lens, and I'm really interested to see what it looks like because I've you know I've shot a lot on the 2.8 Roloflex with the planar and the Zenitar lenses, and I and I'm very interested to see how that the Tessar lens looks in comparison to those two. So that's my other 80 millimeter Tessar story of the week. So what else have you been up to then, Johnny? Um, well, I have another camera I have in front of me that I'm ready to start shooting that I'm clicking right now. 
uh, is my Konica Auto Reflex. And I hadn't shot it yet because it came with a a 50 millimeter, uh, 52 millimeter 1.8 lens that was a little funky. It wasn't locking on the body just right. So actually got a partial credit from the seller who was super cool about that. Um, and then I, I, I took, uh, <laughs> I took like three lenses to work, um, to center camera. So I took that 52 millimeter that was a little bit funky that does actually lock on other can- uh, Konica bodies. So I think it was just the particular combination of that lens on this camera. Um, so I took that lens and I took a pair of, uh, well, I took a, a couple of 28 millimeter lenses in, uh, from an mount, which it, it, I've had like all these customers in the past two weeks look, looking for 28 millimeter lenses from Minolta and we haven't had any. So I took those two in plus the Konica 52 millimeter and I traded for, uh, the Konica 40 millimeter 1.8. So that pancake lens, um, and a 28 millimeter 2.5 uh, Vivitar for the Konica, both in Konica mount, of course. So, so now I have like this kit, this perfect kit of uh, lenses for the Konica Auto Reflex, which is the half frame, full frame. Um, so the 40 millimeter lens, it's, it's really cool. So I mean, it's going to be 40 millimeters in full frame and about 60 millimeters in half frame, which is kind of a neat combo because it's a little wide and then a little bit uh, tighter for portraits. Um, so I've got that set up, ready to go. And, uh, so that and the Roloflex will be in my bag this week. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm very excited to have two kind of completely different cameras in my bag for a change. That's uh, the, the, the Konica, um, <clears throat> switchable half frame. When you, yeah. when you switch from, say you, you're, you're in, uh, full frame mode and you, you turn that dial, uh, yeah. What happens to the viewfinder? Is it magnified, or is ju- or does it just just something no, just co- no, go over it, it and uh, just, just no? Make so it what it what it does? If you look in the viewfinder, and I'm kind of doing this right now while we're talking, there's two on the um, on the focusing screen, which is you know it's typical matte focusing screen with a center uh, micro spot. Uh, so it, it's actually a really nice screen. Um, but so there are two vertical lines which are on the focusing screen that are more clear. So what it looks like is essentially two uh, light lines on the matte screen. And then when you flip the switch, it brings down these two little prongs. It sort of looks like uh, uh, like Dracula's fangs have descended into the viewfinder, which is, I just realized that, and it's cool as F. Um, so, so you drop the fangs in, and the fangs point towards these two white lines. So basically you just frame you know, with those two white lines, either portrait or landscape, but you can, it's really easy to tell where, where the, the framing is, um, in either mode, but it, it's just, it, it's such a kind of a, a, a unique funky feature about that camera that it does that. It's great. Yeah. 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 Super cool. Well, that, that 41.8, we, I mean, I think we were, we were talking about that last week or was it the week before? I can't quite remember. But yeah, so. we talked about it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Yep, we did. Sure did. Yeah. Yeah. So crack, cracking lens. There's no, no two ways about it. Yeah. Yeah. And tiny. I mean, it's, 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 it's nice and compact and especially, I mean, this camera, this auto reflex is like, <laughs> it's, it's heavy, like, like a knicker mat. I mean, it, it is a heavy, hefty camera. It, it is like. It is solid. It's one of the more solid SLRs I've I've had my hands on. So with a, the smaller lens is a <laughs> is a very nice thing to have 
on this camera. And I think a 40 millimeter, well, I mean, you think about it like the, on the Olympus pen, uh, half frame cameras, the standard lenses on those are like the 38, the 40 and the 42, which are all right about 58 to 60 millimeters. Right. So 40 millimeters is a really good focal length, uh, for half frame. Cause it's a normal, it's essentially a normal focal length. And I, I really like 40 millimeters on full frame because it gives you just a slightly wider, you know, angle of view gives you a little more depth of field to play with. It's just, I think it's a really good combo for this camera. Um, so that's going to be my go-to combo on this camera. I'm going to shoot it a bunch this week. That's great. Yeah. Well, uh, f- interesting. For- 40, 40 millimeter, um, is not that dissimilar to, uh, the lens that I've got on my, in terms of angle of view on my, uh, Meridian four by five camera, which is, uh, mm-hmm. 152 millimeter, uh, which seems quite yeah. remarkable. 152 millimeter can be the same as, uh, or virtually uh, the same as a 40 millimeter lens, but it's, it's very, very, very similar to it. In, yeah. In terms of angle of view wise. Yeah. That's it. But you sure. also get the telephoto effect at the same time. So you, you it's, uh, you get a, that's how you end up with a, a different looking shot with, uh, with with large format and um i touched upon it uh, recently but i was i was out for the first time with this camera a, few, a couple of weeks ago at uh, dungeon s uh, where they they where the crab doesn't come from <laughs> um, <laughs> and um uh, I, f- I finally uh, processed um, all the photographs now and i've had some real trouble uh, with 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 the processing mainly because i've been generally apart from levels of incompetence where uh, I hadn't realized that my uh, tank, if you pulled certain parts off this developing tank, it's a combi plant, a vintage combi plant tank. And uh, and if you undo certain parts of it, it it's not light proof anymore. Um, you can do things with a Patterson mm-hmm. tank, like take lids off and stuff, but you just can't do it with one of these. And I did some really stupid things. Um, so I, I, I pretty much ruined a, 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 probably about three, three negs um three negatives uh, from it but uh, uh i finally got around to doing it properly and i put four in at the same time it'll take six and uh it appears that by doing more negatives in the set in the tank in the same in the the same chemicals it uh it did a better job so um so i'm i'm finally pleased with what i've uh, come out with and I've, I've put the first the first of my pictures up today uh, or was it last night actually i think i put one last night and it's of a abandoned boat and uh, on the on the shoreline, uh, and it's a, well on the beach at least, if you can call it a beach. It's a pebble beach, but it's it's just like a um, an industrial area that's just been left. Uh, and this boat I've taken a picture of, uh, somebody described it as, uh, or suggested that I'd actually found Noah's Ark. <laughs> <laughs> that was, the, that was the, the general look of the shot. How they fit all those animals in there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, you can't quite see the scale of it. You see, it's actually enormous. Um, but um, it, it was it was interesting because for, for for me because it was a shot that I I used uh, some forward uh, forward tilt on the lens. Now we we you know, I, I think we might have touched upon uh, tilt shift lenses maybe in previous podcasts or uh, just 
possibly maybe not i don't know um but um, a tilt shift lens a tilt shift lens uh, affects the plane of focus or at least when you do the tilt at least anyway um you can also shift it and you can and when, when you shift it that's when you um you get to start to play with the verticals to try and straighten verticals out on uh, architectural kinds of shots and uh but large format cameras have got so much articulation they can they can go in so many different directions it's, it, it's quite confusing in fact there's a word i believe i'm going to ask you to say this word um johnny so that you've uh, quoted it at me a couple of times uh, what's that word beginning with s and would you explain the uh the s word principle perhaps shine, shine plug oh carl <laughs> just did it <laughs> carl, 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 carl just did it you should have done it you should have done it Shine I, plug. Agree. I agree. I agree. Shine plug. You, you, so you should have done it. I actually had to literally <laughs> learn this in 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 college when I took large format photography. <laughs> so so let me. I'll go ahead and read the wiki for you, okay? Because it and then everybody can go read it and they can scratch their head and read it two or three more times. Um, but the the shine flung principle is a geometric rule that describes the orientation of the plane of focus of the optical system, such as a camera when the lens plane is not parallel to the image plane. Okay. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so basically we're, 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 we're talking about the fact that the, 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 uh, the, the film, the film plane and the optical plane are not, are, are, are not matching up. So what happens is that you're, you're going to see, um, you know, that, sort of the shift in the lens uh, the image circle is shifted so you you can get the kind of that um uh that miniature camera effect if you really push it super far right um so it, it, but basically you're talking about the um not the the fill, the lens and the image plane not being parallel is the is the basic way to explain that that's so. it and and that was that was pretty much what i did with this this shot um, yeah I don't know actually whether or not it was an appropriate shot to use use it on, but it was one of those things. Well, it could have been if you'd done it well, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I, was, I, I think, yeah, Alan Dodds uh, uh, commented on it and uh, <laughs> pretty much told me how I, how, I, how I should have done the shot and how it would have been better. Um, so do you, do you know what, it, what, so his final comment, do, do you know what it means? It's um Shakun Son Goat. It's it's um oh it's, it's it's something similar to there's no accounting for taste. Um, it's, okay. um <laughs> it's yeah, every everybody's different on what they what they want to achieve. So it's uh, that's basically what it means. So um, there, yeah. there is a a, a famous uh, very well executed photo by Ansel Adams using this uh, this uh, tilt effect where um I, I should probably know the name of it and it's you, a lot of people will know it when they see the photo but it's it's basically he took this this photo of this uh it's a landscape shot and there's some sort of mountains in the background but in the foreground are all these big boulders and the the he he has the camera tilted in a way so that the the boulders in the foreground are in really sharp focus as is the distant background so it's basically using um the shift you know of the large format camera to kind of get everything in focus in a way that you would not be able to do otherwise was he using the back uh, of the camera as well because the back moves on my camera as well uh yeah but i think it was mainly a front shift i i was just actually reading about this last night i was going through some books 
hold on a second. I'm going to get it. Talk amongst yourselves and I'll read the caption and then you guys, it'll all make sense. Okay. Well, just what I was actually trying to achieve with this shot though, I, I, I deliberately just wanted to get the boat in focus and I want, I deliberately wanted to blow the foreground out and, uh, rightly or wrongly, I applied the, the, the front, the front tilt and uh, from what you can actually, I could actually see on the ground glass screen, but it's not the easiest thing to look, look through one of these things and everything's reversed as well. Um, so it's upside down and back to front. Um, I'm just getting my excuses in now. Aren't I? Uh, no, it's okay. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just amazed at the, I couldn't, you know, I can't get photos off in that quality. Just shooting with my 35 millimeter SLR film camera with a meter in it. And, um, the sharpness of the boat, I was zooming in on it. It's great. And I, and I, I bet that camera is a hard camera to focus. It's, it's, it's not easy. In fact, I've been, I've, I've, I've joined a couple of forums and I'm, I'm getting more involved in the large format stuff. And it, it seems that a lot of large format photographers use a, a focusing loop as well. Um, so they can actually put effectively put a magnifier onto the, or very yeah. close to the, uh, the ground glass, which is just, at the back of the camera um, and so just as, as an aid for focus because there were a couple of shots that I did which I completely missed the focus it, I, I thought it was in focus but it, it just wasn't um, most of the shots I got right but it would have it would have helped um, especially in this shot because actually the top rail on the the left hand side of the boat uh, the bow of the boat actually um, it's it's actually a little bit more out of focus than I'd want it to be and if I'd actually used a, a, a loop um, a magnifier to to look at the whole image, the bit that was actually important within the image. Um, then I would have seen that I'd actually probably push that tilt too far. Um, yeah. So it's, and it is this thing about uh, with large format photography, it, it it does slow you down. It has to slow you down because there's just so many things that you you can consider uh, with it within a photograph. But now I actually realise that even what I was doing, I was still rushing it. Um, so this shot probably took me five minutes to actually set up and I, I now look at it and I think, yeah, I could have, I could have spent more time on it just to get, again, in all the elements as I wanted. But ultimately, you know, I did blow the, the foreground out, um, which I've been criticized for, <laughs> but, but you know, so, it was what I wanted to do. So you're just, there's a, you know, beginner with this camera, Yeah. but, um, if you think about it, um, you're getting really good images and so they're only going to get better. You're, you're at a place where, I don't know if you're thinking ahead, if you had a, um, a proper and larger, you, you could start making large prints. And um, yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe in your future there's a little photo show I'd, or something I'd, I'd, actually I'd, selling I'd, prints. I'd, I'd, lo I'd love to do something on those lines, but the, the, the problem is you, you need an enlarger that will actually take a 4 by 5 inch negative. Um, and most... I mean, most enlargers you, you come across tend to be for 35 millimeter, and then there's some larger ones that do will do six by six or six by seven centimeters. Um, but when you're getting into you know, four times five inches, you're into those really huge, expensive yeah, machines. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, this this particular shot is four four images. Plus, uh, I, I, I digitized it by using. Uh, uh, effectively a light box technique and I, and and I took four photographs of the negative um if I was to get that if I was to do that in such a way that um it would show its full resolution um I'd probably need to take 12 photographs of the negative uh, was it the actual negative is that much larger than a than a than full frame uh, on a you know well a full frame camera full stop so do you know anyone who um 
does full frame photography and has a dark room within a larger and they can make uh, large, large format. Them use it. Do you mean large, large format? format? No, I don't know. Yeah. But the, yeah. The, that said, though, um, there's nothing, absolutely nothing stopping me from printing it as it is. Uh, because the, yeah, no, the, I, look, I think, yeah. Yeah, right. just contact print it. Contact and, I like that, awesome. and I like the shot of the tree. I don't know if that was with the same camera. No, do you, know how, to spe- do you know how to spell the name of that camera properly, or were you just goofing around with your email to the Sunny 16? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh, or were you making fun of an American name? I was, I was doing, I was doing a funny, a few things with the, with the spelling there for 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 Graham's benefit. <laughs> so uh, some, so uh, yeah, they they're merry down and um, and I, I think I also called it. It's an American, American. it's an American camera, but I I, I spelt it the uh, the alternative way without the letter A at the start. Americans, okay, yeah. So Johnny, while you were away. It got kind of boring talking to Simon, so I bought a lens on eBay. <laughs> Jesus, I was gone for three minutes. <laughs> no, no it is, we were talking. We've been talking about thirty-five millimeter lenses so long. So what'd you get? Well, so I've, I've been looking lately at the lenses that I have, and eighty oh, percent of the lenses you, I have are. Have you actually bought a lens? Is that you? Oh yes, yes. Oh, I, oh, just, oh, I just bought one. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, oh, there uh, we go. There I, we go. Almost eighty or more percent of the lenses I have right now are 50 millimeter. But that's okay, because I've really gravitated toward 50 millimeter. And the 35s that I have are ones that I only want to use on the Fuji. And and um, so, yeah, so I've been looking at a lens for a while, and it's a Canon, it's an early FL 35 2.5. And um, I've been looking at them lately. I had one at one time, and um, I, th- I think it's a, it's a nicely rated lens, and someone in Georgia has one, which makes me feel good. It's not from Japan, and the price was really good, and uh, it looks beautiful and clean, and it's one of the real early ones with that funny bottom that has that ridge on it, so I'm going to have to take the screw out of the adapter, which means I'll probably buy another adapter so they don't have to worry about losing that screw when I want to put it on the 50, but um, it looks beautiful. It looks like it's really a really nice looking clean lens, so I'll give it a try when it arrives. It arrives soon. It's only coming from Georgia. So, would you guys like to hear the uh, the story about the research I've just done here? I can sure tell you about this Ansel Adams photo. So, the name of the photo for those of you who would like to look it up, um, and I guess we'll if Simon reminds me, I'll send a link for this. Um, name of the photo is is Mount Williamson. Sierra Nevada from Manzanar, California, 1945. Uh, interestingly, uh, Adams, Ansel Adams was in California photographing. Uh, he had photographed in that area in Manzanar um, in the 40s because he had photographed the Japanese internment camps, um, which you know really affected him profoundly seeing fellow Americans locked up for being Japanese during the war. Uh, but anyway, he made this photo. Um, it's a, it's a really well-known photo and it's also included in the seminal textbook, uh, of large ceramic photography, which is view camera technique is the name of the book. Um, and they, they specifically cite this photo as one of those situations in landscape photography where, um, the foreground needs to be in focus as well as the background. And, and you, you'll see this photo. I mean, it's really remarkable. It's basically this enormous depth of field. Um, but basically it's, it's tilting the, the lens forward, uh, the lens, you know, board forward to, to get that effect. So it's an unusual effect. It does not look in any way distorted as you'll see. Um, it just looks like everything is perfectly 
in focus and you know there, there's no kind of tilting distortion i mean that the scene itself lends itself to not you know uh showing any any of that distortion because of the organic forms but it's a really cool effect so simon will produce something along these lines uh very <laughs> very so. soon <laughs> it'd be yeah. just like Ansel very Adams. Soon. yeah okay <laughs> yes yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's uh it's 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 interesting that um what you just described there how the, how the shot is, is is used all the 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 elements of correction uh, available to him to to produce a shot that looks right um yeah where i pretty much did everything to highlight something and which which would all which in itself would was very wrong um it's not it's it's the opposite to perhaps how um the people will be taught to use a large format camera and it it reminds me in, in many respects to when people first get into classic lenses and we've said this before how lots of people are attracted by what goes on in the outer focus and uh, and sometimes mm -hmm. the, the more extreme uh, the bokeables and the look of the shots the better and uh, people get more and more excited about it and i'm i'm in a similar kind of phase with large format where I, i'm really loving the weird effects that I can potentially create with it. Um, and probably once I've actually been doing this for a period of time, I'll, I guess I might move away from that and actually start to use um, the ability of the, the camera to actually get more things in focus that are, mm -hmm. are normally difficult or even impossible to do with a conventional camera. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the great thing about uh, that type of camera is, I mean, you can, you can, you can do things that you can't do otherwise. I, it's it's funny you say that because I, you know, I'm shooting a lot of the panoramas with the Minolta still, the um, poor man's X-Pan, or as I'm now calling it, the pocket Panavision, um, because it gives that Panavision angle of view, like 70 millimeter Panavision. Um, but one of the things I like doing with the camera is shooting vertical panoramas, especially in the city. There's all these, like in Chicago, um, you know, there's all these alleyways where you get these really extreme verticals, but the, the problem is you get really serious keystoning. And the thing that would solve that would be if I could tilt the front of the camera so that yeah. I could eliminate the keystoning. But I mean, obviously you can't do that with a point and shoot. All you can do is sort of hold it higher and try to tilt it forward a little bit to eliminate the, the, that keystoning, which I've done, but there's limitations, you know, to how, how much you can get away with. No, you're sure that you're sure it's tilting. You're sure that isn't shifting. You're trying well, you need to do it's, shift it's, rather than it's tilt. It's tilting the camera forward, down. You know, yeah, top to bottom to try to help to eliminate the keystoning. Yeah. So. Uh -huh. yeah. Okay. yeah. So, right. But good, good, good shot with the boat, and um, and I'm no one to criticize because I couldn't take that photo, and um. But it would, it would, I think, have looked better if everything had been in focus. It's a real gray. There's a lot of gray in that picture. It isn't like blacks and whites. It's, it's very gray. But I guess it's because of the situation you were in. No, no, it's it's my artistic, boat, my artistic the, vision where wanted it to be like that. <laughs> well, the boat is the, the the boat looks great. You can you can really see the texture in the wood, and it's it's a neat thing. You've got a lot of good subjects there to take a photo. Yeah, it's it, it's an absolutely like amazing that. place, um, and I've got yeah. I'll be sharing a few more um, photos that I, I, I took, which have uh, worked okay. So I'll, I'll I'll put a few more up over the next uh, few days. Um, so are we gonna are we gonna talk about um, 
our adventures in photography for a little bit. Well, I, I just want one more thing to say about uh, large format, and uh, and it's completely up to date as well. <clears throat> and and that's uh, this this my old journey on large format started a, f- a few weeks ago when I when I picked up a half plate camera with two uh, really vintage lenses, um, probably mm-hmm. older than nineteen hundred, and which are barrel lenses, which are a different type of lens than, than uh, what's normally used on a, on a, media, on a large format camera. Um, but I've, I've realized that there was a way that they could be adapted uh, onto a conventional uh, shutter that you have, uh, a Copal style shutter that you have on a, well, like I have on my Meridian. And, and it was just a simple matter of um, getting an adapter. Uh, I say simple matter because we're talking about um, however they did things back in the, in in Britain in, in the in the late 1800s in terms of thread sizes and pitches um, and then mating that up to something that was uh, made in America uh, in 1950. Uh, so fortunately the the lens uh, barrel was was um narrower uh, than the uh, than the shutter the hole for the shutter so i found a local engineering company and took uh, took all the bits down there and they made a couple oh, of cool. um, adapters um, wow. and they made them out of brass so they're solid brass they're made out of you know just one, one piece of brass and they were they were turned and they were measured and the thread pitches are perfect and uh and I, I got it this morning. Um, I got the got the two adapters, and um, I've put them onto the lenses. And uh, I first put it on onto the the Cook lens, a triplet lens, and uh, that worked fine. And then I tried it on the I tried the the uh, the longer lens, which is called a, uh, a Rapid View, which I've talked about in the uh, before. It's a portrait lens, a single a single element uh, meniscus lens. So it's a pretty much a soft focus portrait lens. And uh, at first I couldn't get it to work. Um, and then I realized that I need to not only to uh, extend uh, the focus rail, but I also had to extend the bellows and I forgot to extend the bellows. So I thought yeah, at first yeah. I thought, oh no, this isn't going to work. And uh, but I managed to extend the bellows and uh, screw it on, and it and it works, and it covers it, it covers the, uh, the the whole of the negative as well. So I'm super excited to be able to use those because the the, the look that those those lenses will give. Um, I mean, we talk about you know classic lenses, and the, the lens that came with it is from 1950. This 152 millimeter Kodak lens. Well. These are you know, far older uh, than that, and and they're they're not going to be sharp. They're going to be sharp enough, but they won't yep. be truly sharp. And I'm I'm really excited to see what what kind of look that they will give because already the the shots I'm producing are they they have an old look about them, especially when I mess the developing up as well. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so yeah, so I'm really excited about playing with those. Okay. So then, Carl, do you want to you want to talk about uh, where photography is taking you at the moment? Yeah, so just right, and um, and just in a general sense. So we I've mentioned this before. I live in a I don't know who would consider it a small town. There's 150,000 people in Gainesville, and there's 55,000 students. That's a relatively small town in the U.S. We have a little downtown area, and I've probably photographed everything that you can think of from every angle. And distance, and um, it's been getting kind of boring unless I travel. So something, but something that's interested me lately, and uh, I want to do more of this, is, is going to a place and taking photos of, of people doing 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 their work. And so, um, 
this last weekend we were at a local pizza shop that we frequent quite often and they have these cool old um the, the old stainless steel you know pizza ovens and there's, there's a good place to sit at the bar and um and and sh- shoot shoot the guys you know as they're loading the pizzas into the ovens and so i asked them you know i, I know the guys because we go there all the time can I take some pictures of you while you're working and i, I knew that i was going to do that so i took the fuji and i took the seven artisans 51.1 and i shot all the photos at 1.1 and um with the camera set on mono black uh, J- jpeg okay and because there was a particular look that i wanted to get and the fuji will do it um, with jpeg uh, monos and um i like the results that, that i got um i shot about 50 shots and i and i got about six that were in focus it's hard to focus manually at 1.1 <laughs> with people moving around loading pizzas in and out and some of them are um they're not they're not like all sharp images but they have a really cool look they, they turned out exactly the way that i wanted them to do and so now i'm thinking about other things that i'd like to do that i've done a little bit before and, and the, the next thing i want to do is i want to go into a billiards hall and photograph people in a relatively dark smoky kind of a billiards hall playing pool and the other thing that i think is interesting but probably less doable is going into a tattoo parlor where someone's doing tattoos and taking some shots of that but um I don't know. That interests me right now, um, maybe because I've run out of other things to do. But um, it's not it's doing street portraits, but it's asking people, can I shoot them while they're doing something? And so I, I pulled off something that I wanted to do. I thought it was cool. And the other the other thing that I did this week is um, with the time change, the light's pretty nice in the morning now before I get into work. I, I need to get into work before eight in order to get a parking space. And uh, so I pay $400 a year to park at the university. And if I don't get in before eight, there's no spots left. Jesus, you could buy a lens with that. <laughs> I know. Right. So, so um, but anyway, or two or three, but between seven twenty-five or so when I drop Andrew off at the, at, at the program that he goes to and, and, and eight, um, the lights really good right now. And it probably get better towards Christmas. And, um, to get some early morning shots with uh, veiling flare um, and, and nice silhouettes and things. And um, and I also like to shoot sort of back alley shots behind buildings, which Johnny does too. And um, so I, I put the Tessar on the Fuji, knowing that would be a good combination. And again, shot in mono. And I, and I got off a couple of shots that I really like of just nothing. I mean, one of them is a white run, you know, falling down fence. And another was a, is a silhouette that Medi said looks just like alleys look like in montreal but um i did that but these th- these things with with people uh, doing something at the place where they work um i don't know it, it appeals to me right now as as a little mini projects to do that's all i have to say really i mean i do my typical saturday morning go to the mar- farmer's market and isolate people from a crowd with a 105 millimeter lens but i was kind of getting old and i was thinking on saturday as it's kind of i don't know this might be the last one of these for a while um but um this other stuff i don't know jazzes me right now i want to do more of it i'm weeping silent tears of photographic joy over here right now no carl i'm serious that's that's awesome that's like it's great man that's like you got like concept driven photos with a purpose. That's, I think that's totally cool. I mean, not that bench photos are bad. They're good, but 
I, dude, I think that's amazing. I really do. That's like those are that is like a great concept for photo project. You know. Yeah, well, I'm able to pull it off. But the pool hall thing is the next one that I want to do. The place yeah. that the best pool hall, though, where I know the guys that shoot the tournaments, they have a there's a there's a it's called a quarter tournament, and so um, you can enter. Anyone can enter, and it's on Friday and Saturday nights. And if you're a beginner, you get four quarters, and if you're really good, you get one. And if you each time you lose a game, you get to keep playing as long as you have quarters. And so the the newbies get a get a get a chance to play longer into the tournament but um i've shot those guys before and um they, they closed they closed the freaking place so i need to find another another pool hall to do that mm. so in, in in the u.s uh can you still smoke in pool halls because you can't do that over here in the UK. yeah you can in florida <laughs> they don't they don't you serve. can't do that here <laughs> it, it, you can carry a gun into the pool hall too. <laughs> Cole, I think you muted yourself. <laughs> I think you're self-censoring. I think at the moment. Oh, they, um, yeah, right. Self-censoring. You cannot carry a gun into a place where um, they serve liquor. Oh, right. Only in a church. I forgot. Sorry. Right. Only yeah, you can't carry guns into pool halls and bars. <laughs> Only in church. And smoking is, I'm I'm not sure about whether it's legal or not, but they don't serve food at these places that I'm talking about. But anyway, it's a nice atmosphere. It's dark, so it needs a fast lens. And um, black and whites are really nice. And maybe I'll do film. Maybe I'll shoot So in, in, all, in all seriousness, I, maybe I can find this link as well, but um, I a lens that I bought ages and ages ago um, was a Pentax Tacmar uh 85 1.9 there's also 1.8 um mm-hmm. but there's some great shots that this guy did um when i was researching that lens that he shot it's like in thailand in a pool hall and they're freaking awesome i mean the focal length is great for that sort of work I, i'm gonna find this just so you can see it carl because like i when you when you were describing that project i was thinking of this guy's shots from the pool hall and they're like fantastic because you get a lot of like really interesting light in places like that because you've got that really bright light over the table so yeah. the the lighting is you know you get really high contrast lighting um and which means it's easier to focus <laughs> you know what i mean so it's like there's a lot of things that work in favor of shooting in that environment sounds so like I, should, I have should, good we shoot in, should we shoot in slide film yeah, well, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. You know what? The, the the um lens that i've used at this place that closed before and gotten just astounding shots, not only of people shooting pool, but sitting at the bar, um, isn't a manual focus lens. It's the it's the 55 millimeter 1.8 um, sonar uh, autofocus for the Sony, which it, it, that that's a good lens. You can shoot down the zoom lenses if you want to, but that 55 millimeter is a really fantastic lens. And I put the camera up to ISO like 5,000 and um, got fantastic images with that. But I'm going to do it with a manual focus lens this time. I'm going to shoot them at f1.1, maybe even. Oh, I found those photos. So, like, here's the lens that I've been thinking, hey, you know, I should just get rid of this lens. I don't ever shoot that focal length. And now I'm looking at these photos again of the, the pool hall shots of the Takamar, the uh, mm-hmm. 85 1.9. And now I remember why I bought this lens. <laughs> there you go. It's all there. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, 
Shall we? Shall we do some feedback, Johnny? Oh sure, yeah, we do that. Uh, let's see. Let's start with. Should we start with Mister Thorpe? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's start. let's start with Mister James Thorpe. Uh, subject: Pictorialism. Um, hi guys, another great podcast slash cage match. Man, what a tough crowd. Uh, interesting to hear you talk about pictorialism. After coming across a vintage soft focus lens, I recently fallen down the pictorialism rabbit hole. From what I've read so far, pictorialism was a, was partly a reaction to what was seen as the clinically accurate daguerreotype photographs initially criticized as merely mimicking reality photography was not well regarded or respected and certainly not considered quote-unquote art uh, pictorialism helped counter that using lenses with soft focus capabilities to yield a more painterly image in reading criticisms from early photography journals some of these lenses were derided as merely creating mushy photographs while others were lauded as producing images that have well-defined elements in the photograph but with a pleasingly halo around the edges some lenses had separate control for the degree of softness others varied with the aperture uh, much like modern lens baby velvet lenses, I suppose. Uh, I'll be experimenting with a couple of soft focus lenses on my speed graphic and will also try mounting them to my old 1916 Graflex RB. For what it's worth, here's a link to old lens catalogs that I found to be quite educational. Unfortunately, all this research has only served to increase the length of my eBay wish list. Cheers, James Thorpe. Uh, yeah, those are great notes on the pictorialism rabbit hole. We we mentioned uh, what one episode, two episodes ago. It was, um, it, and that actually came as a as a result of uh, that those um, those lenses yeah. I've just been talking about that I've now mm-hmm. I've now managed to adapt. Uh, so that I'm I'm yeah I'm I'm, I'm we're, we're on a similar kind of journey. And I've got to say, actually, this is a good point to just mention uh, uh, coffee donations um, because James Thorpe is our first uh, regular um, contributor, donator. Um, as in, because it's possible to send us a, um, a coffee, um, which is three pounds uh, or multiples of that, as some people have done. Um, but it's also possible to set something up so um, you can contribute regularly to us uh, once a month. And uh, James has done that. And so, uh, uh, James, thank you very, very much. That's uh, that's that's a wonderful thing to do and uh and it certainly helps uh one with the the ongoing cost of the podcast and also with the things that we also want to do uh with the show going forward so um thank you very much for that james and actually on that subject um we other people donated last week as well again uh cheyenne morrison has uh has donated to donated to us again so uh thank you very much cheyenne um and on a on another note, um, previous guest from two weeks ago, Ricardo Bayon, uh, also um, sent us coffees. So thank you very much, uh, Ricardo. And I, d- I don't know if there's if there's a theme here, but it, it seemed to start with uh, Cheyenne when he came on because he came on and then he donated to us. Then Ricardo came on and donated to us. So I, I think we should actually just get more guests because it seems <laughs> if we get a guest, they will donate to us. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh bob told me he's bob matter told me he sent us some some coffee yeah we did i think we uh and we read that out uh, a couple of weeks ago when, when yeah. that happened um and uh actually there's there's other ones let's just uh see what they actually yeah. said here because uh cheyenne in particular in particular uh 
He said, uh, great podcast as always. Here's my weekly contribution. So uh, thank you for that. Um, Ricardo um, Bion of uh, Best Vintage Lens um, on the uh, the Instagram feed. He said, uh, coffee on me. Uh, and will someone show Carl how to properly use that great Fujinon 55mm <laughs> F2.2? Um, maybe some out of focus night lights or something on those lines. So he's, uh, so yeah, you need to, you need to try harder. Have you, have you still got that lens, Carl? I have it. I'm, I'm not excited about taking photos like that right now, but uh, maybe I will sometime. Yeah. When it gets to be Christmas time and we have a tree in the background and I can take all those photos maybe i'll have that christmas tree in the pool the hall tree. and then you can kill two birds with one stone girl <laughs> maybe it'll maybe it'll have maybe it'll have and they'll, worms. And they'll have they'll have cigarettes hanging off the christmas tree as decorations <laughs> maybe there'll be worms in the boca and, and uh, it'll be and like marge simpson's two sisters will be there merry christmas yeah, um, and uh, one one final one on on coffee. And by the way, you can if you go to coffee.com, that's ko-fi.com, and just search classic lenses, uh, you'll you'll find us. Um, Nigel Cliff has donated again. Uh, he's donated once before, and uh, his message was uh, two two cups for Carl and half a cup for jo for Johnny and Simon for being so nasty about his about his uh, plastic Sony crap. <laughs> <laughs> so thank, thank you nigel <laughs> tough love yeah <laughs> should i read the lawrence dunn uh yeah yeah uh, okay, okay yeah yeah so uh this is posted in the classic lenses uh photography classic lenses facebook group so lawrence dunn said uh note to carl simon and johnny read the podcasts being really new to the group over the past few days i've listened to eight episodes i've jumped about a bit i started with the first one then jumped a few then went to the last one then back again there was a bit of logic to my process but i won't explain that further here um anyway in all the episodes I've listened to, not once have either of you three issued any kind of wealth warning. I now have a huge list of old lenses I want to try out, exclamation point, X3. So there you go. Gear acquisition monkeys in action. Yeah, we, 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 we almost apologize. <laughs> nah. <laughs> you just need to get a cushy uh, university job like Carl. And pay oh yeah, it's really cushy. It's been park. so freaking cushy. Yeah, <laughs> you should have studied biology in college, Lawrence, and then you could be studying kelp and uh, squids and uh, algae, and you could be Dr. Carl Havens, MD, PhD. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Um, is there is there anything else we want to cover up? Any shout outs or anything like that? Shout outs. No, I don't no, I don't have any do, Johnny. Actually I think I'm I'm shout out free this I, week. Well, I've got one. Um and uh last week uh we uh, well I talked about uh the zine uh, that I was sent from uh Sveen oh, yeah. Olaf uh Humberset, that's it. And uh um I carried on the conversation after that and um and and Sveen has a um as a podcast um it's a relatively new podcast it's uh um largely a a, a monologue um and pretty 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 short ones and uh we were chatting about it and uh, he asked me if i wanted to uh, be his first guest and um and i'm going to be so awesome. at some sometime this week i'll be having a having a chat to sveen and it will go out probably by the weekend 
Um, and just to give you an idea for uh, those those people who, who haven't listened to it, it's uh, uh, or, or what it's about. Sveen is uh, very much an analog photographer. He's a professional photographer, but he uh, for um, his uh, personal stuff, he he, he shoots uh, film in various different formats. So it's this is going to be very much uh, an analog um, conversation. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So uh, and that will be uh, sometime later this week. Uh, so that's uh, Viewfinder Vikings, and when it's once it's happened, I'll uh, I'll put a link out in a few places as well, so uh, people can know where it is if you want to get more than uh, one dose of me in a week. Nice. Oh, I have to tell you a funny thing from during the week when I was driving and I kind of lost my mind for about thirty seconds. <clears throat> I was um, listening to our recent podcast, and it got to the end, and then it started playing another podcast. And I don't know how it happened, but it, it, it started 11 minutes into a podcast. And it was, um, it was Aid talking. And um, so I thought, what the f***? You know, um, so there's a Sunny 16 podcast starting to play, but it's, it's like 11 minutes in. And he was going on and on. And then, the, and then, um, and then Simon was, was, was on there. And I thought, and, and then Johnny was on too. I'm thinking, I don't remember an episode where both of these guys were guests, and then I and then I, and then I looked down and it was episode thirty-four of our own podcast. <laughs> but then, but I thought Aid was a really good guest. We need to get him back on again because it was a good episode. So I, I just finished. I listened to it the rest of the way through. I think I think there's something to be said about working our way through the uh, the the Sunday sixteen. Uh, hosts um i, I did I, I, I did actually uh tentatively ask uh, rachel if she wanted to come on and uh, I, uh she wasn't oh, awesome she wasn't 100 percent sure was um uh, she she was thinking well we're we're a bit uh i think how, how did she put it she put it in a really in a really nice way uh but basically we're a bunch of lens nerds and she isn't <laughs> so. no, but we're not no but she's so, but she would be great because she's I the agree. one of the three who's the real pro photographer right yeah, absolutely. And then there's always Graham, of course, if we if we have to. <laughs> yeah, right. Good to have a plan B. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so I'm just going to mention it while we're still on, but I found those photos of the pool hall, and I, I kind of forgot about this guy who shot them. Um, but it, he he's on – this is on mflenses.com, uh, and he did – I forgot all about this. He did a massive shootout of – uh, like a sharpness shootout of all these manual focus lenses that he put on a Sony a seven. Um, I mean, he's got like 30 different lenses here or 20 different lenses here, all kind of 50 to, you know, 58 focal length um, is really cool. I forgot about this. I, 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 this, this guy, this guy really did an amazing comparison of a lot of stuff here. So I, um, I'll include that in that, that link as well. There's a cool range of things you can do in a pool hall because you can get kind of a wide angle shot of the, you know, a, a pool tournament happening with all the guys. And you could get one person yeah. lining up to take a shot, or you can get a shot right from the, the cue ball looking forward. Or the, and then usually I would do those with just a, kind of an intermediate amount of blur in the background, so you can still see that there's other balls down there on the table. And yeah. Uh, it's and and I think black and white is the way to go. At least for me, it is with those. Well, heck yeah, because I mean, you got like if you do it in color, you got nothing but problems because you got different light temperatures, and then you got to do a bunch very of very weird color correction, and blah, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, well, anyway. Cool. Let's, let's, let's bring things to an end. Um, yeah. Johnny, um, how can people follow you in the, the things that you do outside of uh, this podcast? Uh, you can find me, oh, geez, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you, you can find me on Instagram uh, at, at System Photography. I try to post there most days. Um, you can find me uh, at Central Camera Company in Chicago. I'm there every day except for Monday, and we're closed on Sunday. Uh, so come in and say hello. And you can find me sometimes in the Photography with Classic Lenses Facebook group. Um, oh, and, and one thing I guess I wanted to mention is my own photography URL, which is sissonphotography.com, has been uh, broken since Adobe uh, very kindly changed their um, uh, Adobe portfolio setup, and I no longer have that membership, so I had to reset everything because they broke all my links. Thank you, Adobe. So I've now reset up all my links and everything, so my my personal you know, I guess gateway to my stuff at sissonphotography.com is back up and running. And I'm sure everybody was holding their breath, but it was, it was annoying the crap out of me because my link, my, my, my link that I've had for whatever, 10 plus years was no longer working for my URL, which is now working again. So there you go. Actually, that's another thought. That's another thought. Do you want to just qu quickly mention oh, uh, yes, how to get I in do. touch with us and things about Instagram? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, please um, email us at classiclensespodcast at gmail.com. Um, do that, and you will almost certainly will get get, uh, get mentioned here on the podcast, and we'll read out your email since we don't get that many. Um, and then uh, Instagram, uh, oh, I'm looking for the tags. Hold on. I'm looking for the hashtags. I'm so unprepared today. Um, so I, oh, I just closed my text document. Now everything's gone to hell completely. Um, so if you use the hashtags, uh, oh God, hashtag, uh, classic lens. I don't know. Carl, Simon, save me. Somebody save me. Well, let's, um, let's, let's, let's talk about the best, about the best vintage lens one. That, that's, uh, that's a good one to say. Yeah. Is it hashtag? I'm just looking at, uh, best vintage uh, lens. <laughs> Yeah, it, best right. vintage lens, right? Hashtag best vintage lens, and then hashtag classic lenses. lenses. I think. Yes, yeah. it is. It'll be in classic. the it'll be in the podcast notes. Hashtag Sorry. classic lenses. Yes, classic lenses and best vintage lens, and those those hashtags will help us. Uh, uh, you know that that the, doing that on Instagram, it makes it really easy to find all the great photos posted with classic lenses. Um, so it's a it's becoming a really great kind of uh, a way to see what what can be done with classic lenses on Instagram. Actually, the other the other thing on that, um, because um, of our relationship with Best Vintage Lens, uh, they uh, put out they retweet uh, my not retweet um, they. <laughs> read whatever it is because i don't understand instagram like johnny does um they read they re something they, re, they repost they yeah. repost um because i on I, I put out on my instagram account the uh the link for the uh the the, the podcast or uh, a piece of information on instagram and uh 
um, which you can find if you search for me under Simon Forster Photographic. But uh, they, instead of uh, just copying and pasting whatever I've said in there, uh, last week when they, they put it out, they, they put their own take on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, was really good. Yeah, which was really interesting. <laughs> I was thinking, I didn't write this. <laughs> it's yeah, no, uh, it's no. completely different from what I wrote on uh, my description. So that was, uh, that, was, that was quite interesting in, in itself. So um, sorry about the dog barking in the background there. Um, so yeah, so uh, anyway, so that's that. And uh, Carl. Right, so you can see uh, photos periodically that I've posted on the photography with Facebook. Oh, fuck. <laughs> on the Facebook page, Photography with Classic Lenses. And um, I'm posting regularly, more regularly actually, on Instagram. And it's just my name, Carl Havens. And my Flickr page is Carl Havens and it's getting a little bit stale and I need to put some stuff on there and I've been thinking lately about actually um, taking my Carl Havens photo- photography um, um, whatever the hell it's called that I own and making a, a, a web page and so that I can put some some things up on it probably first uh, little um, uh, projects uh, photo projects that I'm planning on doing and then we'll see where it goes from there. Maybe I'll sell some things sometime, maybe like, you know, coffee mugs with my face on them or You know, there's this like guy that. Simon Forster and he's got a page kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's a different kind. I have to do a different kind of page. It's a page to sell stuff. I just want to putz around and show little photo albums and things. Well, Talking about pages and uh, yeah. got, my website is... Simon. Hey, I know someone at work here named Forster. I met her last week and she spells her name the same way. Wow. <laughs> I think Simon muted himself. He's yelling. I think he did too. Yeah. He's bored with all this shit, so he's yeah. gone. Screw We're done. Guys. We gotta finish it up. We gotta yeah, finish I'm it out up. Of here. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah. 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 All right, well yeah. I can my, my website yeah. He's is... muted still. He I think he's yelling at the dog. I think he's kicking the dog. And he doesn't want to I hear do, the dog. I do his, yeah, the, the dog yelping. Do his... The dog the dog the yeah, the dog the dog is not quiet. Rest in peace, Flynn. You've been a favorite. My, I was gonna do my cockney accent and um and close out close out for you. Yeah. I was yeah, gonna like, say that a few times and uh, yeah, just learn, learn how Dick Van Dyke did Cockney, and then try and work out how our Stoke accent works with that. So uh, he, he, uh, threw, he threw he threw Flynn down the hole where he keeps the women. He puts the lotion in the basket. Well, well uh, my my website is uh, SimonForsterPhotographic.co.uk, where I've got uh, lots and lots of KNF adapters, and I'm trying to put a few more on there as well. Uh, you can also find them on. Uh, my eBay shop as well. If you do a search for it's Fozzy, that's I T S F O Z Z Y, and I've got a few lenses on my website as well. Uh, what else? What else? Um, I'm sure there was something else I was going to say. Ah, oh, that was it. Yeah, just need to say thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for our Octoblues theme music, um, and then finally, uh, you can you can find us all. Uh, quite regularly in the uh, the Facebook group Photography with Classic Lenses. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this week's show and it'd be great if you can join us again next week. Thank you. Goodbye. All right. What is this podcast number? What? 42? Correct. Meaning of life. All right. The meaning of life? Is that, what it's, is that this episode's title? That's, well, it's 42. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I don't, are, you, are you aware of the connection? I... Uh, is it from the movie? <laughs> <laughs>
That's a that's a very vague answer. That is. <laughs> you have to do no, better. is it a, is it a, is it a Monty Python thing? <laughs> no, it's not. No. Um, oh, okay. It's um, from a Doug, Douglas Adams uh, book. Oh, okay. Uh, Hitchhiker's yeah, Guide okay. to the Galaxy. 